That's an old song, takes us back several years. The old Hansons used to sing that song, and what a, what a great group that was. And They knew what they were singing about, and I just wish I could do it half the justice that they did. Stand with me, if you will, one more time, and then I'll let you sit down. For the reading of God's Word, His Word's worthy to, uh, for us to stand and, uh, with all reverence uh, to reading out of John chapter 6 and verse 60. The Word says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement, who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then? If you see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before, it is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. What Jesus knew from the beginning, who they were who did not believe, And who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. They were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you? The twelve. And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals you to us. Oh, God, we would not know you without your word. And the whole purpose for your word is that we would know you. Lord, we believe every verse and every letter is inspired of you. It's God-breathed. So, Lord, we pray that you give us the knowledge and wisdom tonight, Lord, to handle your word with the utmost of respect. Lord, may you be honored in all that's said or done tonight. Lord, we pray for our congregation, our church, for our people, our friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray for their home. We pray, Lord, for this community. Lord, we live in a world that is so troubled, such trying times. The world needs you more now than ever and don't even know it. 
Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts tonight. In every facet of this service, Lord, may it be led by you, God. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated if you like. We've been in the book of John now for several months. I've lost track since we've been out because of the the pandemic going on. But John chapter 6 is a very long chapter. It says here in verse 60 that there are therefore many of his disciples. When they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. You recall the last time that we were here, we were studying about Jesus presenting himself as the bread of life. And he instructed those that were listening to eat his flesh and to drink his blood, which he was speaking spiritually. He wasn't speaking of the physical. He wasn't speaking of cannibalism. But he was speaking of absorbing him spiritually, taking him in completely, becoming one, united with him completely. Many of his disciples, they were, they were superficially attracted to Jesus. Many in this world, in this time today, are attracted to Jesus for superficial reasons. They're attracted to Jesus because of the miracles that he might perform for them. As it was for these, they were attracted because he fed them. From five loaves of bread and two fish, he fed them. He fed the masses. He fed thousands of people with just basically one lunch of a little boy. They hoped that he would deliver them from the Romans, but things were about to change. They professed to be followers of Christ, but things were going to change because Jesus had been teaching a crowd consisting of Jews. Now Jesus turns to another group who had been following him around claiming to be his disciples when in reality they were not. We do realize and know that people come to church, this church or other churches, otherwise, and they can quite possibly not be Christians. They can quite possibly have went up front, bowed to it at an altar. They were baptized. And perhaps they're still not Christians. We know that the Spirit of God must draw. The Word teaches that over and over again. Jesus has just informed them that he is the bread of life. And this was a difficult statement for this group of people. They wanted what Jesus would give to them. They wanted what Jesus could do for them, making this life better. But Jesus informed them that he was the bread of life and they must come and eat if they want to live forever. 
They were to come and take of this bread of life, the bread of life, the bread that gives life is Jesus Christ. If you want to live forever here to the crowd in 2020, come to Jesus Christ. He's the only way. There's no other way. He's the only way. He insisted that eternal life is found only in fully committing to Him. More often than not, men are offended by Christ. Jesus certainly knows the heart of men, and He knew the hearts of these men that were following Him that were supposedly His disciples. Many, many. You can have a large crowd that is supposedly following Jesus. And there will only be a few. Only a few. When they heard his words, they said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? The words of Jesus seemed rough and harsh, not only to the Jewish opposers and the spectators, but they also seemed awfully harsh to his disciples. His disciples, they shared in their grumbling. So siding with the objection by the Jewish opponents, the disciples, not among the twelve, did not accept his message. They would not accept the thought that Jesus Christ descended from heaven, nor the teaching concerning the flesh and the blood of the Son of Man. There, was a, there, there wasn't a lack of understanding. I don't believe there's a lack of understanding in our day. People know that Jesus is the only way. They've been told this multiple times. Many people, everyone in this nation has certainly heard the gospel. But I believe they refuse to accept it. Full acceptance of Christ means far more than meagerly coming and hanging out at church. Accepting Jesus Christ means far more than meagerly hanging around with Christ and following Him around and uh, reaping the benefits. This is what Jesus' discourse is about here in John chapter 6. Jesus' words were difficult to receive because they demanded humility. They demanded the, the, the denying of oneself. They demanded that man turns from his sin, that he changes course. He doesn't continue down the same road. To deny oneself, myself is my biggest problem. You're not my biggest problem. I'm my biggest problem. The Bible teaches you and I that sin begins in the heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that it's not what goes into the body that defiles the body, but it's what comes out. So the defilement is found within you and me in our hearts. But they, d they demanded... The Lord's commands demands that, that we deny ourselves and we wholeheartedly surrender to Him. We come to Him, none of which man will accept apart from what? 
a spiritual new birth. I proposed to you a few weeks ago that there's no one of you or me or anyone else that would want God apart from God drawing us to him. Man wants no part of a righteous and holy God that says surrender A-L-L. Surrender your will. Surrender what you have. Surrender this life for a new one. That's not man's nature. Man lives for the moment. He wants what he wants, and he wants it now. He wants a God that will give him what he wants now, or he will turn and walk away. That's a man that's not spiritually filled. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Don't you like it when we have Scripture to back up what we're saying? But a natural man does not accept the natural, your nature and my nature does not accept the things of God. You're no good, neither am I. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. These are heavy words. These are harsh words. But we need to come to terms with with the fact that God did the saving. God did the calling from way back in eternity past. He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And what a glorious Savior He is. It says, for they are Foolishness to him. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to the natural man, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. John 6 and 61 says, But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Since Jesus understood the heart of every single person, He was conscious that his disciples grumbled behind his back. He knew that they grumbled at his teachings. So he said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What Jesus is asking them is, does this offend you? Does this cause you to want to turn and go the other way? Does this not suit you? You know something that... The truth will cause false disciples to turn and walk away. A preacher may not always present it to suit you. But the Word of God, if it offends you and it offends me, I need to look at me. I don't need to look to God. God has all authority. But the false disciples, they're going to abandon their superficial faith in Him. It concerns me when I see this simple faith. These people just come and they just just, just uh, supposedly give their heart to Christ, but they go right on out into the world and then they continue like an unchanged vessel. They believe once saved, always saved. Therefore, they can live however they want to. I believe once saved, always saved, but you'll never want to be like you used to be. You'll want to be changed. You don't want that old lifestyle. You want to live holy. I I hope you grieve when you sin. I hope you're not satisfied when when, when you sin, when you fall short of God's glory. 
I hope we, we weep when we sin. True believers will embrace the whole truth of God's Word. And they'll reject the false. And we know there's many out there today. Jesus knew that they rejected His claim to have come down from heaven. So knowing this, He said, What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? Now, by implication, Jesus seems to be saying, If you could see me be lifted up to heaven, would that convince you then? Would you believe then if you saw me taken up? It's worth noting that there could be a dual meaning here. All would see him lifted up on the cross. The world would see him lifted up on the cross. Yet they still didn't believe. But only his true disciples would see him after his resurrection from the dead and his ascension back to glory. So Jesus pressed further his challenge against these unbelieving and these who are, who are offended. Jesus gives commentary on their, on their state of rebellion. Jesus declares here in John 6, 30, uh, 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The flesh, our flesh, the flesh of dying humanity profits nothing. But the living, the living flesh of Jesus, the flesh of the bread of life, the flesh of the crucified God is that which we profit from. Oh, listen, what a gift on the cross of Calvary. He bore my sin and your sin. He carried us out of darkness into the marvelous light because of his death, burial, and his resurrection. It's his Holy Spirit which quickens us. It makes us alive. It makes us come alive spiritually by imparting Christ's life to ours. Here Jesus is rebuked. He rebukes these so-called disciples by reminding them He is the one who gives life. He is the assigned judge and the Father alone who wills our belief. I'm glad that it's all a, it's all a program of God. I'm, I'm glad that we can have faith in the election and the sovereignty of God. God has all sovereignty. And the Bible teaches us that one must hear and one must obey the words that our Lord has spoken. Some don't believe that. Some don't receive that. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you our spirit, and our life. You see, the one who hears and one who obeys the words of the Lord, the words that He's spoken, which He declared, our spirit and our life. And the Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes how? By the Word. By the Word. That's why we preach the Word, is that we may hear. And by hearing, we may have faith. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, Jesus' Word separates the true and false disciples. Furthermore, true disciples continue in His Word, which abides in them. The Bible teaches teaches that we have the Word abiding in us. False disciples ultimately reject His Word, thereby rejecting Christ. You know something? If we don't want to obey His Word, we're, we're not followers of His. I believe that's a fair assumption. The one who knows the nature of humanity certainly knows the nature of His followers. John six sixty four says, But there are some of you who do not believe. Now, if this wasn't pretty important to Jesus, He wouldn't even brought it up. But there are some of you who do not believe. What Jesus knew from the beginning, who they were, who did not believe, and who it was that would betray Him. You see, those that do not believe are those who will ultimately and finally betray Him. We live in a time of much false teaching, of a world, uh, a, and a world that is completely distracted when it comes to the things of God. But we also live in a time of much access to the truth. The Bible is available. We can get it on our iPhones. We can get it on our laptops. We can get it on our desktops. We can get it in paper format. We can get it in digital format. We can flip on the, on the radio and hear it. Flip on the TV and search for it, and you might hear it. But the gospel is still available. We're willing to receive it. Did you know that there's a, there is today available... The Bible is available in more than 680 languages. Incomplete. From Genesis to Revelation, it's available in 680 languages. And the Bible has been, at least portions of it, has been translated in 3,350 languages. As it was then, so it is still. There are some who do not believe. Not for lack of information, but for lack of faith. You see, this stuff doesn't make sense if the Spirit of God doesn't abide in you. If that Spirit of God isn't drawing you, it doesn't make any sense at all. And so preachers and teachers and deacons and and members and, and Christians and disciples, when you speak to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and they turn and walk away, you're in good company. You need to understand that that is the way it is. They cannot hear. They cannot obey because they don't believe. It's not because they don't understand it, but it's because they refuse to believe. At least these disciples that were following Christ, they, they, they heard the, the word preached. Certainly disappointed, but in no way, in no way, Was Jesus surprised or was Jesus shocked? Jesus knew exactly from the beginning who they were that did not believe, but He let them go along with them. He let them go along with them. For they didn't have the Spirit of God abiding in them. He even knew all along that it was Judas Iscariot that would ultimately betray Him. Verse 65 says, And He was saying, For this reason... I have said to you that no one comes to me unless it was granted him from the Father. 
This isn't hard to understand. If we have right doctrine, you know what doctrine is? Doctrine is teaching. If we have right teaching, the, te- the Word of God is consistent throughout. The Word of God does not anywhere uh, contradict itself. If, there's, if there is a contradiction, it's in our understanding. So God's Word nowhere contradicts itself. But we need right doctrine. We need right teaching. We need right understanding. We need right learning. We need right living. We need right obeying God. In 2020, people are cursing all kinds of vile, wicked things that you see and I see, and we're appalled about it, and there's not a thing we can do about it but pray. That's all we can do. But Jesus said, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. This is the ultimate rebuke of Jesus to these false disciples. Faith is not just a general gift, but faith is a specific gift. If you have faith, you've been given the gift. I didn't give it to you. Pastor Steve, he could talk to you till you, he was blue in the face. He can't give you a lick of faith either. If you have faith, God gave you that faith. Because the Father was quite simply, the Father was simply, quite simply against those who would not come to faith. You see, from from start to finish, there's no such thing as an independent Christian. Without the Father, there would be no children. Did you know that? Without the Father, there is no children. It is the Father who must give the right. Salvation is from God. I hope you don't have a problem with that. Because if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, thank God God chose you. Thank God that He chose you out of the darkness and brought you into the light. Peter writes in no uncertain terms to those who reside as aliens who are chosen. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. Now I want you to notice those four words there. It's by the sanctifying work. It's not by your work. It's not by your want to. It's not by your own personal, your own personal desire, but it, it's according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. That's why you have a desire to obey Jesus Christ. It's a sanctifying work of the Spirit. That's it. It's God's work. It says, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, what does it say? Has caused us. Let's read this again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, according to His great mercy, according to His great mercy, has caused us. Has caused us. According to His great mercy, His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
because of his great mercy. He caused us to be born again. I'm glad I didn't do it. Because if I did it, I'd mess it up. I guarantee you, if I, if I came on my own initiative, I would mess it up. Pastor Steve, is that right? Would you agree with that? If we come on our own, without the, the Spirit of God drawing us, we're coming on, under, the own, uh, under the wrong premises. God the Father did the causing, you see. He has caused us. He has caused us to be born again. It is He who is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad you've got a God that is watching over you? He didn't just put you in this old world and say, well, maybe they'll figure it out. I want you to know God is absolutely sovereign in the work of salvation. If you're here today and you say, I'm a born-again believer, thank God He called you out of the darkness just like He planned in eternity past. It's a fact that God's elect could never nor will ever turn away from Him. Undoubtedly, many of these were not elect because, according to verse 66, and this has got to be one of the most saddest verses certainly in the book of John, perhaps in all of the Bible. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were walking with him no more. No more. They'd had enough. This was not the Messiah that, that they wanted. This wasn't the reigning king that they were looking for. What they wanted, he would not offer. And what he offered, they didn't want. So from this time forward, the false disciples left him. They went away. They became scoffers of his in complete unbelief. The notion of salvation apart from following Jesus is foreign to the New Testament. Did you know that? Let me say that again. The notion of salvation without following Jesus Christ, is foreign to the New Testament. Yet it's become a popular concept in this generation. Like many today, they walk away when they realize that the total allegiance, their total allegiance is to be given to Him. That they are to completely deny themselves. The Bible tells them to take up their cross, and follow Him. Really, that's what it means. A fraudulent, compromising gospel is preached from the pulpits of churches around the world. Come to Jesus to get wealthy and well. Come to Jesus to succeed and prosper. Come to Jesus and receive your best life now. Come to Jesus for everything but Jesus. They want what Jesus has, but they don't want a thing to do with Jesus. Time magazine ran a story with this headline. Does God want you to be rich? In this story, 
they quoted Joyce Myers was saying, who would want to get in on something where you're miserable, poor, broke, and ugly? And you just have to muddle through until you get to heaven. I believe God wants us to have nice things. Nice things? Really? Like what? Wealth? Power? Prestige? Is that what God wants you to have? He tells us to live quiet and peaceful lives. He teaches us to be moderate or modest. He doesn't teach us to go out in the streets and demand of our government what we want. Genuine disciples are called of God, and they're drawn to Jesus by the working of the Holy Spirit. Their eyes are open, and they see the light of the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ. Those are the true followers of Christ. False disciples, they come to Jesus to get something they want from Him. Verse 67 says, So Jesus said to the twelve, He said to the twelve, that is his, His inner circle, He said, what? He says, you do not want to go away also, do you? So perhaps only the 12 original disciples were all who remained after the temporary temporary disciples left. Or perhaps Jesus turns and he addresses the original 12 more specifically. Our Lord says to them, you do not want to go away also, do you? The Lord is not asking because he doesn't know, but he wants them to consider He wants them to examine themselves. Jesus knew full well where their hearts were. But he posed the question to them. You don't want to go away also, do you? He's asking so that his disciples himself could confirm their faith to themselves. If faith is a gift of God and is founded on Christ, it would not depend on men. It won't depend on your preacher. It won't depend on your your family. You live for Christ no matter what. No matter how bad it gets, richer or poor, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, you live for Christ. You live for Christ no matter what. Simon Peter, known for being outspoken, speaks on the, on the behalf of the twelve with these words that serve as a confession of allegiance and belief. His return question to Jesus is, in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. You have the words to eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. In sharp contrast to, to, this, to the response of the so-called disciples who were actually shallow, shallow followers that had already left, who had never been true believers of His, these that remained with the exception of Judas Iscariot, Truly believe. Peter didn't know it. Peter thought the whole 12 of them 
were true followers. Peter explains, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter confessed on behalf of the twelve, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter was satisfied with his answer, but Jesus wasn't. Jesus knew something that Peter didn't know. Jesus, in his omniscience, that is, he's all-knowing, Jesus said in verse 70, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Jesus wasn't at all deceived that Judas, it was Judas who would be the one to betray him. As Peter spoke for the twelve disciples, Jesus' response to the twelve, saying, I, or did I myself not choose you, twelve? Jesus is not referring to election to salvation, by the way. Judas was not elected to be saved, and then he fell away. But rather, he was selected as one of the twelve. The devil in their midst, of course, was Judas. Verse 71. It says, Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Judas is probably the most well-known traitor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though there have been many traitors of Christ. Many have rejected Christ. Did you know that? Many today have rejected Christ. Many ministers have closed the book and walked away and said they've had enough. Many Christians, many lay members have done the same. Judas was the one that would betray him in about six months. You might wonder, why would Judas have been selected to be an apostolate then? Well, the divine answer is this, so that the Scriptures would be fulfilled. God had a purpose for the devil in this situation. You know something? God has a purpose for the devil today. The devil is not running wild and rampant. He's marching in accordance to God's plan. There's not a, there's not a fist fight or a, or, a, or a wrestling going on between God and the devil between the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil. He has all power over Satan. If one of Jesus' closest followers will betray him, we should never be shocked in our day to see those that will betray us, to see those who will betray the church, to see those who will walk away when they're no longer comfortable, when the pastor preaches something that hurts their feelings, I hope the Bible doesn't hurt our feelings, but I hope that, it's, that it lines us up because it's all about us knowing our Creator more. That's what the Scriptures are really about. Judas saw Jesus' signs. He heard the sermon. He saw the miracles. He traveled with Him. He got to know Jesus. He traveled with him for a couple of years, in fact. He got to know him in a way that few others did. Yet in the end, he betrayed him. I can't explain it. 
but we know that God had a purpose for him. And that was so that the Scriptures would be fulfilled. That's all I have tonight. Stand with me if you will. Father, we're delighted to be among your people, among your church. Lord, we look forward to your calling your church out, being raptured out, Lord, and being taken to a place of glory and splendor that eye has not seen, that ear has not heard, that has never entered into the heart of man, that we might see the things that you prepared for those that love you. Lord, we pray in this, in this time that your church will be strong and faithful. It will not lose heart. It will not grow weary in well-doing. It will continue to be consistently about the Father's business. Lord, use us in a powerful way. Lord, those tonight that may be listening over the Internet, we pray that if they don't have a home church, God, that you'll lead them to a church where they'll hear the truth, whether it's this church or a church close by them. Wherever they are, Lord, we pray you'll prick their heart, Lord, and draw them by your Holy Spirit. Give them a hunger for the truth. Give them a hunger for the Word. Not something manufactured to satisfy the flesh, but something that will eternally satisfy the soul. Lord, we give you praise and honor. Lord, be with our church as we go our separate ways tonight, Lord. In our travels, Lord, we'll be traveling in different directions. Be with our homes, our families, our loved ones, and our friends. Lord, help us to be salt and light in a world that is hostile towards you. We know that you're the one that they truly hate, and you're not surprised by that. God, help us to see the urgency that we continue on being about your business. Lord, it's in your glorious name that we pray. Amen. Y'all have a glorious week. If you need me, holler at me.